Ross Abbott, the master of all masters. I've been so excited and looking forward to this talk, man. Tell me what inspires you to like keep learning because you could just focus on your tattoo and like just stop right there. Why do you keep going after new things? I think that the, the excitement to do these new business projects inspires me to keep learning. It's like, oh, I started a, a company to help make digital designs easier for tattoo artists. Okay, great. Well, now I have to um, keep that company running. So what new skills do I need to learn in order to do that? Um, you know, now I have to be a content creator. I have to make even the simplest of things, tutorial videos to show customers how to use our product. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm on YouTube, you know, buying a bunch of uh, expensive camera gear and lights and uh, just going for it, you know. And, 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 you know, it's cool to be talking to you right now and connecting with you because you were there really early in my journey with, with video equipment when, you, you know, we, we met when you were working out of Atlanta. And it must have been, what, like four or five years ago now, right? Yeah, it's about at least three years ago since I've been in L.A. And it was super interesting. Uh, you and I met because I was working on a tattoo documentary. And then after that documentary, I got involved with so many other people. And I think you and I met through Jess Ferris. So he told me about you because I was in Atlanta. And then we connected. You had some video projects. And then when I show up to shoot... Uh, you already had your camera, you had already been doing things. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool because usually you don't get to work with other tattoo artists that also know about photography and filmmaking and all of that. And that was something that we bonded over immediately. Oh, this camera and this lens and doing this on the edit and doing that. But you always let me almost like teach you, even though you already knew more than you thought or more, the, more than you get give yourself credit for and you have grown like now in the last few years now you have your whole studio the company is growing so now you're pushed to create more content and usually tattoo artists so far in my experience they have like this barrier with social media where it's almost like a necessary evil they do it because they have to do it because they get clients through that. But you have almost like a passion for creating content. What do you think tattoo artists could do to have a better relationship with their social media? Oh, that's a that's a huge question. I mean, I, I struggle with it, too. Um, as as I've been moving from my career as a tattoo artist into this this new you know life in this new role, uh, you know, I've had the same struggles, right? Because since I'm not creating tattoos all the time, the audience that I had built on Instagram, for example, you know, isn't necessarily interested in the digital design products that I'm trying to pitch to them or, you know, they're just, it's, it's really hard. And then on top of that, we keep having these new algorithms all the time that are just making it harder and harder for creatives to communicate in the way that we had become used to. Right. And so, it's, you know, I'm sure it's happening in every creative field, especially those that rely on Instagram, you know, or, or at least think that they rely on Instagram for the success of their career. So I think it really starts with understanding that it might not be true that you rely on Instagram for your success in your field, right? Because if you are a tattoo artist, you only really need to tattoo maybe four or five customers a week. You know, you, you don't need Instagram to connect with four or five customers a week. You just need regular grassroots marketing and repeat clientele and word of mouth, right? So, so I, I think I, my, my relationship with, with photo and video is first a passion and a hobby. It's something that I can do um, that does serve my professional goals. And so I can sort of rationalize, you know, this effort and this, um, you know, expense that I've gone through in order to have all this gear and know more or less how to use it. Um, but really, I think it, it comes down to it's just fun for me. And, um, you know, so I think I, I think that if you're going to, you know, if you're if you're looking at this and you're listening to this right now in 2022, you know, reels are huge on Instagram right now. Instagram is trying to um, you know, get back a little bit of this market share from TikTok, and they're really pushing reels. And, and you know, I I busted my butt over the last few weeks to make some really really great 
content for reels. Um, I used all of my gear. I tried so hard and that content is just completely falling flat. I'm not, you know, people aren't engaging with it. The algorithm hates it. It's just, you know, everything that we've done to try to, you know, kind of squeeze more juice out of that lemon that, that I worked so hard on is just not working. So how many did you make? Um, I made a series of nine. They were actually 15 second clips that are just, um, showing how to, how to use one of our products. And I've seen tutorial, um, types of videos with like hands and iPads do well, but I, I honestly think that there's this, this tension between, you know, it being too professional and looking too much like you hired a, a, a professional to do it and, and the audience's response to it. So it's almost like as people are scrolling and you're just, you know, they, they see something that is noticeably different because it's well lit. It's, um, you know, it, it's got this professional polish to it and they just keep going. They're like, Oh no. So it looks like an ad. Right. And so the things that we've done where, you know, this content for, that I've seen really blow up on my Instagram has been at times we've been here in my studio and it's behind the scenes, right? Like someone holding a shaky iPhone and they're, they're showing this film shoot thing happening in this guy's house from the perspective of the person in the room. And that's what will blow up. And this has happened multiple times. Like when we were doing, you know, product commercial shoots, um, it's just that little thing that no one tried that hard for that actually, you know, can, that's the one that blows can blow up. up. Yeah. That's very interesting. Uh, on my Instagram, I have like a combination of, of that. Sometimes I, I have content with more variety. So it makes it even harder because at least for you, everything is in the same bucket of design and tattoos. My experience has been kind of similar to yours. Sometimes the reels that I shot with my good camera and I color graded it and edited to the, to the beat and did all of that, exported out of Final Cut, then got into my phone, went and did all the hashtags. That one doesn't do well. And maybe another video that I did quickly with my phone or just put something up, sometimes even clips from the podcast. I have some clips that I don't even think much of it. We just put it up, write one sentence, like quote, not even hashtags for us. And we just post it. And then that ends up having like 20,000 views. So it's a little bit of a, I don't know if you would call it a mystery or almost like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks right now. I guess today when we're filming this in the last six months, the algorithm has changed a little bit and it probably will change in the next six months. But I would, I guess I would recommend instead of 15, do 30 and see what happens and keep posting those because eventually I think some of those will produce, people will save them, people will share them with other people. And in the beauty of it now is that it's a little bit, uh, more of a long play because the reels keep having results and engagement weeks later after you post it. So, but that's interesting. So with this dichotomy, do you think tattoo artists should spend more time and energy trying to make their content look professional or should they just stick to the iPhone and just go for a quantity? I think that they should try to use the tools that Instagram is or TikTok or whatever platform is providing in the app. Because I understand, you know, especially in Instagram's case, they want you to use reels. And there's, you know, there's trending audio that you can pick up on and use that they might promote. There's a trending um, effect or, a, you know, some sort of in-app um, trick, right, that you can use. And the more that, that those um, you know, sort of app-based editing tools improve, the more that, you know, they want to see people using them. They don't, they don't want for every user and content creator to have to go out and get a film degree to, to make content for their platform. So I think they're trying to provide you with the tools that you need. And they're in a way they're sort of, they seem to be sort of repressing content that is too professional. I think that's my, my, my takeaway here is that, you know, don't feel like you have to, you know, try too hard because the harder that you try, 
the more, you know, suffering it is when it doesn't work. So it is more about, you know, just getting in a flow and thinking about how you can, you know, document effectively. Like one of the things that works for me is that I'm thinking in multiple layers. I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's a need for something to support a product, right? Like we made a product and customers need to know how to use it. So I'm going to go widescreen. I'm going to shoot in 4k. It's going to go on, um, YouTube probably at 1080, but I'm going to be able to punch in and, you know, zoom in closer if I need to get details. So I'm thinking about, you know, capturing this, this content to, to teach the customer. But at the same time, while I've got everything set up, I'm thinking, what is the little bit of this? What, how am I going to cut this down to make it a nice vertical video for Instagram reels? And so I, I have to go through these processes of like, should I, should I, the top down shot of my iPad, should it be vertical? So it looks better in an Instagram reel or should it be horizontal? So it looks better in widescreen and should I shoot both? You know, should I do every single thing twice while the camera's running? And then another improvement that I've made, it's been a huge improvement for me is I, I got a teleprompter. And so I'm looking at right now, I'm looking so at my looking nice at camera. Right yeah. So the teleprompter has a, um, a, uh, what do you call it? Um, a monitor about a seven inch wide monitor. That's just mirroring what's on my laptop screen, which is right here. So I have both options, right? I can look at my, my teleprompter and read, you know, from an app of a script that I wrote. And I used to struggle so hard. As soon as the camera would turn on, I used to have so much of a problem communicating the exact words that were necessary. And so for that reason, the teleprompter has, has really improved my ability to, to make that sort of, sort of more corporate, you know, talking head content. Yeah. And, you're, you're fancy yeah. Ross. Like right now <laughs> I don't have a teleprompter and I'm the film guy. Right. So, uh, I need to catch up to you, which is super fun and, and interesting. So I, I love it when people go the extra mile to capture content in a, in a super professional way, I think eventually that ends up winning because beauty and aesthetics i mean people want to have tattoos because they want to look a certain way we want to dress a certain way to communicate like who we are and all of that so i love that you're going all in with the with the top-notch quality so i wanted to ask you a little bit about the state of content creation for tattoo artists especially on youtube what are you seeing right now that you are excited about what are some things that you're planning on making and how do you think tattooers can get better utilizing all of this content and maybe filtering out what's not so good and latching on to the really good amazing content okay so when it comes to youtube um we have it's it's been soul crushing honestly like you know the the content about tattooing that that is doing well on youtube is always seemingly always the content that is about, you know, look at this crazy eyeball tattoo or whatever, you know, it's like, look at, you know, it's, it's always the most insane stuff that isn't really reflective of, you know, what I think is special about tattooing. And it's so it, it's really difficult, I think, to, um, you know, kind of figure out what the right balance is of um, persona and, you know, specific niche content that is also entertaining and is, is going to work on this platform. So I can't honestly say that, that I've ever made anything that, that truly did well on YouTube. That said, you know, we, we have managed to finally reach the first milestone. We got 10,000 subscribers recently. So it's like 200 subscribers, like a month or something like that. And we finally, finally got to that point. And and I do, I do feel that, that my own abilities to, to create the content and the, the team that I have around me that can help me to, um, you know, build some efficiencies around that process are really starting to gel right now. And I, so I, I still believe in us and I still believe in, in our ability to, to get this going. I, one of the issues I think that, you know, our audience are professional tattoo artists and you know, they're, they're very busy and the time that they do spend in apps is usually on Instagram. So 
what we end up seeing is that, you know, we, we have a, an audience and we have a really huge mailing list of tattoo artists and we will, you know, send them information about our upcoming live streams on YouTube, you know, we'll promote our videos. And, you know, even though we have the ability to talk to a lot of people, we don't see them actually going over and subscribing. So I think that it's, it's sort of, it's, it's a matter of our audience just not really going to YouTube. They're already professional tattoo artists. They're not going to YouTube to learn to tattoo, although that seems to be increasingly possible these days. And, um, you know, and we're not making that content, right? We're, we're not making how to tattoo videos that show you how to put the needles in the skin and make the ink stay. We're making content that is more based on how to design tattoos and might be interesting to anybody who you know, has an interest in art, design, digital design, and, and the future of how the tattoo industry is, is going out and discovering opportunities, things like AI, you know, things like uh, Midjourney, Dolly 2, right? Like how, how will tattooing use that? How will tattooing use um, AR in the future? How will tattooing use 3D models? Yeah, tell me about that specifically, because you and I were talking about the other day and you were sharing a few ideas of what you think the future is going to be. So what do you have in mind for that? For me, I've, I've had this vision for a long time that I would like, as a tattoo artist, I would like to be able to capture a 3D model of my actual customer to scale and, and draw or design the tattoo in a virtual space. Because, you know, if you can imagine, um, you know, standing there with all your clothes off or most of your clothes off at the tattoo studio while a tattoo artist draws on you with Sharpie markers and tries to figure out what you're going to get. And this is not a typical tattoo process, but when you're talking about large scale work, if you're getting a back piece that goes from your neck to your knees, there's a few ways to achieve it. You can take a picture and you can, you know, print it out and put a piece of tracing paper over it and, you know, kind of sketch. And it is helpful to draw smaller right? Because as soon as you get into the, the full size version, it's almost like you're so close to them that you can't see the whole picture. And, and I do a lot of work that's geometric, um, that's, that's trying to, to create these illusions as the design wraps around the customer's skin. And some of these are very technical. And so the Sharpie process is, is not refined enough and is too slow and it's messy. And there's another person that has to sit there while you're scrubbing their skin down with alcohol because you don't like what you drew. So it's just, it's, it's just a really difficult process to, um, you know, spend the amount of time and effort that I would like to spend in this design process. So I have long had this idea that eventually technology would exist that would allow me to, you know, capture a scan of my customer, bring that scan into the iPad and design on top of it. And I didn't get that future yet, but I did get a really, really cool step in that direction. And I was actually able to help manifest this through my company, Tattoo Smart. So early, I would say just about the beginning of 2022, Procreate app released this feature where you could now import and draw on 3D models. And they made a really nice user interface for it. It's simple. It doesn't have all the features that a 3D artist might expect, but I thought, man, this, this could be it. If we could put 3D models of people into Procreate and we could make it work really well for tattoo artists, that's kind of what I was looking for. But there would be problems, right? The, the first problem is these aren't to scale. These aren't the actual person that you're tattooing. And how are we going to address all of the different shapes and sizes that people come in? And then there was the, the skin tone, right? We wouldn't want to, uh, to work on a 3d model that was Caucasian skin when our customer had African American complexion. Right. So it's all of these issues were, you know, in our minds as we developed this product. So we ended up with three different male characters and three female characters. And we have a skin tone palette that you can select from that allows you to just drop a color onto the model and it works really well. And 
the, the facial features of the models, the way we sculpted them, they don't look like any ethnicity. They, they've just kind of, we, we kept them in this sort of sculptural flat plane kind of world, like they were not fully developed in order to, to allow these models to work for, for more customers. And then we did three different body types. So we have like a really skinny one, then we have a muscle person, and then we have an obese person. And it, of course, is not the full range that people, you know, can come in, but it's, it's working pretty well. So now, you know, th this is a lot of the content that I'm making is trying to show people, you know, what this, this product is and how it can, it can fit into their tattoo process. And it's, it's a kind of a slow, um, you know, rollout really. Um, I, I was expecting for, for artists to be more excited about it and to jump into it more than they have. But I think it's a matter of, you know, just exposure to it and education. Yeah, I think it's going to be just a matter of time before people start doing that more and more because you see it on every industry. For me, it was very interesting when I when I was in Atlanta, I started working on big productions and you would not believe the delay in technology inside the film industry. And on some areas of, of the film industry, like VFX and all that, they're light years ahead. But then on the actual production side, everything was a little bit antiquated, but I, I think you're living in like the future of the cutting edge of what things could be. And it's always going to take a little bit of time for people to get there, but they will catch up more and more and more. The same thing that has happened with social media. So with artists, you're, you have your, your conference and people come and you teach them and all of that. What do you see in people who create art that is different like i'm just curious to see if there is the same relationship to creativity and imagination that we have in film and you guys in tattoo i'm certain that there is right i'm, I'm certain that there's there's always a common thread from one creative field to the next and the arc of the story that i've been really present for is the the tension that exists between the old way and the new way right there's and, and I think when you were talking about the film industry, I think you're describing people who have been in this game for a long time. They're just very comfortable with the way we do things. And it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So it's, it's partially that. It's a fear. There's always this, this fear that as, as, the, um, as the expert practitioner you know, grows older, they are afraid of being obsolete. You know, these young kids are coming along with their new technology and they're so much more comfortable with this world. And is the boss going to make a switch to doing it that way? And am I going to have to learn something? I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I think I just need to quit. You know, right? it's just, it's the same emotion that's happening to tattoo artists who were thinking, man, like if, if everyone's just going to draw tattoos on iPads now, um, whatever happened to learning to draw on paper? Does that mean that, that people aren't going to have this experience of the struggle that I had? Are they, and if they use this tool that, that Russ Abbott made that helps you um, draw snake scales, are they not going to struggle to learn the underlying method, the structure that you can draw that, that allows you to draw snake scales? And of course, you know, sometimes they, people want to suffer for their art, right? They, they want, they, they don't feel like it's important unless they have to work hard for it. And so I understand, you know, what people are feeling on both sides of this. It's right. It's like, you've got, you've got the art and the passion that comes from your art. And then on the other side of this, you have your work and your craft and you have a customer and you have the demands of the market, right? That needs you to be ready on time and they need to have a quality product delivered to them, right? And if there's a technology that allows you to be more efficient, okay, use that technology and then take that extra time you saved and put it into something that you get more fulfillment out of doing, right? And so it's, it's that classic conversation about, well, hell, you know, would you use a, um, let, let's say you have to like put wood screws in all day at work. Would you use the handheld screwdriver just so you can connect with the roots of, of, of uh, carpentry or would you use the, the electric one? Like it's, it's really a no brainer once you, once you help people realize it. But 
what it comes down to is it's two parts, it's equal parts. It's the fear of being displaced and not being able to, um, to work the rest of their career with the skills that they already feel comfortable with having developed. And it's the other concern that this craft, this profession, this art form that we all love is, is changing in a way that they're not comfortable with and worry mostly about the new people coming in, having it easier than they did. And somehow the customer being fooled by, you know, by tricks rather than, you know, seeing the quality of, of what's behind it. So, so we, we have these conversations every day, mostly on Facebook comment sections because we run ads for our products. So we get to see this, this whole conversation play out every single day. And, and sometimes people are just, you know, they're just over the top with, with the hate in comments especially for ads and they don't, they don't really know. They're just, they're just screaming into the wind. You know, they see this ad, it interrupted their scrolling and it's just so appalling that they have to say something. And I, I really honestly enjoy engaging with them and in, in an intellectual back and forth um, because I, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in the work that I've dedicated my, my life to, and um, I've seen the transformation that it's making for people. Um, both artists and customers are all, you know, in, improving their work-life balance. They're connecting with ideas they wouldn't have otherwise had, and they're really enjoying this process. And sometimes, you know, that's it, I, it's just a uh, it's it's just hard, you know, to like. To, of course, to be attacked on the internet, right? <laughs> and it happens the most, the more that you, you know, put yourself in front of a camera and, you know, it, it's impossible to avoid it. Um, so Ross, you make amazing large pieces. Tell me a little bit about how did you get into that? And maybe a little bit about your philosophy when you're doing a big tattoo. For me, I have no tattoos. I love tattoos. I've been around tattooers for about six years now, uh, since I started making the film and uh, one of my best friends is a tattoo artist. I could get as many tattoos as I wanted for free and I still don't have any, but I always tell people, you know, if I ever get a tattoo, it's gonna be a full body suit. I'm not doing no like little tattoos on my arm or anything like that. What is it about those dark pieces that attracted you to that? And how do you process doing that entire thing on someone? Wow, okay. so. I actually have a lot to say about this topic. I think the, the place to start is that congratulations, you know, for, for knowing yourself enough to not just go out and get some tattoo. I think that that is so rare. Most people feel like some sort of pressure, you know, whether it's, you know, just turning 18 and you're seeing all your friends go out and start getting tattooed and you just think that you're supposed to do it and it doesn't really matter at that point in your life what you get you know you're most likely to just get what your friends get what you feel is safe in your community and in the, the group of people that you're around and it, it extends to who's going to do the tattoo oh well my friend went there you know that the guy gave him a good deal right it's it's always that and for me i i got to a place it took me 20 years of tattooing to get to a place where I understood who I was as a tattoo artist to where I could start to think about now doing bodysuits on people. And I don't know why it took me that long. I, I regret that it took me that long to understand it, but I finally did get there. And I ran into this huge challenge where I wanted, I really, really wanted for people to get huge tattoos for me, the, the ideal, the, the, the mythical unicorn that I never found was a person who was equal parts, not tattooed, right? Had plenty of money to spend on tattoos and wanted to be tattooed by me. I never found that person. And now I feel like my, my tattoo career has really shifted away. I'm only tattooing one day a week and I don't really see a potential for me to ever do that, you know, full tattooed person in my style. That that's my my vision. I did do lots of tattoos on people, 
but I started those processes not knowing, you know, I might've known that I was doing a full sleeve and I, I did the whole arm and then I was like, okay, we're done, you know? And, and then maybe they, in the process went around and got tattooed by a few other people and they just keep adding to their collection. So I think what we see specifically in the United States and, and it's, it's probably pretty much everywhere it's set for in, in like certain, you know, niches and communities. But most of the time what we see is, people collect tattoos more than they get tattooed by one artist. And so when they do go extra large scale, I think of areas, I think of areas like the back piece, right? Which I view as ideally going from the neck to the knees. Um, I, I look at that as, as sort of the ultimate large scale tattoo that you can get. And I think that ideally a person would start there and then their sleeves on their arms and their legs would be an extension of that tattoo. So, you know, that's how you have a unified concept. What we end up with instead is like more like a patchwork quilt, right? It's, I'm going to get whatever style and whatever subject matter from whatever artist I want. And I'm just going to keep putting them next to each other until one day I have a bodysuit. And, and that approach is, is far more common and, um, frankly, much easier to do, right? Like as the artist, you only have to worry about your one little job that you have for the day and you don't have to give a lot of thought and concern to how that's going to tie in and what their overall strategy and vision is for their body, right? And so I think that's how we've gotten there. It's like, it's an easier commitment to make. I'm just going to get one tattoo. It's going to cost a thousand dollars. And it's going to take a few hours and it's going to hurt and then it's done. Right. And that's, that's, that's kind of the dominant culture of tattooing. So I guess if you are actually going to get this huge tattoo one day, you will do this having had the benefit of, and this is everything I would advise you to do is to really know tattooing, right. To know what your favorite styles are, who your favorite artists are, around the world, doesn't matter where in the world they are, just really know, like if I could get tattooed by anybody, who would it be? And, and once you have that vision in your mind and you get your plate yourself to a place professionally and personally where you can afford to travel across the world and get tattooed by them, then you still have to navigate whatever, you know, roadblocks they would put up in this situation. Do they want to tattoo you? Do they have time to do your tattoo? Do they like your idea? So the challenges are immense, but I guess the reward that the few reap who are able to do this is, is just so incredible. And, there, and you would be surprised how few people there are out there who went and got a whole body worth of tattoos from one really, really expert artist. There's not that many. Yeah. What about uh, your favorite ones that you have done? Because I think one time I was at your shop and you showed me this book where you have like different pieces from everyone and uh, it, they were unbelievable. Like they were so cool. So do you have any favorites from the ones that you have done? I do. I, I think that when I really started to to find my voice is when I started mixing the ornamental scroll work that I've been doing for years with this geometric three-dimensional type of, of stuff. So I found this combination of um, essentially architectural ornamentation from different parts of the world. Some of it is um, more like European or French, and that's like the uh, the scroll work types of um, stuff that I have been doing for years. And then I introduced these motifs that are more from the Islamic world. And they are just um, these really complex mathematical looking designs that I mix with. Because when, when you're doing a tattoo, you need something that's going to act as flow. And so I need these curving C shapes and S shapes of the scroll work that allow me to sort of navigate around um, areas and joints, right? So if we were doing a sleeve on you, uh, I don't want to put the the precise pattern across your elbow because it's going to be distorted. No matter how you hold your arm, it's going to look weird. So pretty much I just break the body down into what is a flat panel and then everything else. And so I'll save the flat panels for, for the precise geometric stuff. And then I will 
add the flow on the areas that are kind of a little oddly shaped, right? So that might be, you know, around your, I'll do it on this arm, around your shoulder at the top, you might have like a, uh, an ornamental structure that's sort of flowy. And then around your elbow, it might be that way. And, but on a panel like your forearm, you have a nice big flat place. So that's where, you know, the, uh, the ornamental part will go. So I, I'm thinking very strategically about, you know, just how to solve this problem. But each time I do it, it's a little bit different. So how did you get yours? But these are some of my favorite tattoos because I realized that I was doing illustrative work for so long, for so many years, it was all about the concept. It was about, um, what person, place, thing, animal, you know, what story are we telling? How can we create an image that, you know, that, that works well as a tattoo, but has all of the, the different things in it that mean something to you. And once I sort of got away from that and said, it's, it's all going to be about ornamentation and about design and aesthetic. And I removed all of the, what is it, you know, the, I guess the, the subject matter from it, so to speak, and just made it about ornamentation. Well, now I'm really thinking about the way that architects or, you know, um, craftspeople that worked on architecture, especially in the past, were thinking about how do we make these buildings look more interesting? So as a, as an inspiration point, I just have to go back and look at photos of a mosque from Egypt or look at, you know, um, interiors from a cathedral in France. Right. So it's, it's really interesting to, and to feel free also to mix them all together. Right. Because it's, I'm not, I'm not of that time and I'm not of that place. So I'm just sort of an outsider who is, is going and, and grabbing little bits of this and little bits of that, that look interesting and, and just being inspired to create something totally new that would never have existed. So these tattoos that, that started to really, you know, be my style and my voice, that's, that's pretty much what they consist of, but they're all a little different. I'd never heard anyone saying that they get inspiration for their tattoos from buildings and architecture. That is, that is super cool. Well, it makes sense, right? Because, you know, we, we are, we are built with a lot of similar shapes, columns, and, um, I, I, I'm not going to just rattle off a bunch of, um, proper terms for architecture right now, but I, I can tell you that I've gotten great inspiration from the world of Gothic architecture and, um, Rococo and, um, you know, like I said, the Islamic geometric patterns are a big inspiration. And when you look at the Greek columns, like the body of the column is this like geometrical looking thing. And then when it gets to the top and connects to another structure, then you have the ornaments. So it makes it kind of flow. So that's what was coming to my head. Yeah. When you were saying that, that came to my mind. Yeah. And it's nice to work from photos of sculpted ornamentation because that's where you can really understand how light and shadow play on these shapes. And, and I look at that a lot, um, you know, and to inform how to make my tattoos look more three-dimensional. Interesting. Now I know that you are a huge fan of Japan and that has also influenced your art a lot. Tell me a little bit about those Japan trips. Well, I've been to Japan twice now, both times with groups of tattoo artists. And the, the focus of these trips was to experience what we view as like the sort of like river's mouth of a lot of what is important about tattooing came from Japan. I don't personally do Japanese style tattoos, but I do really enjoy the Japanese aesthetic to large scale tattooing. So you have generally speaking, there's, there's some subject matter that's in color. It could be a flower or a, a koi fish, a dragon. And then you have a background that's generally treated in, in just black and gray ink, which would be like water or wind or clouds or rocks or something like that. So they use these, these backgrounds that, that kind of are part of a universal language that tattoo artists all, you know, kind of have their version of speaking to connect the subject matter together. Right. So, so this process that they used in Japan, that they developed in Japan, um, came from 
uh, woodblock prints that were popular. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher the, the dates of errors and everything like that. But Japanese culture and tattooing go way back, but they also have sort of a, a weird um, relationship with it because they also viewed tattooing as belonging to the Yakuza, which is the, the crime, you know, I guess the organized crime in Japan. These are the folks that are getting these tattoos. So to the older people in Japan, when they see tattoos, they, they think criminal. And there's been this tension as younger people have started to get more, more tattoos. And it, it, there's still a weird, there's a weird thing in Japan. Was with there tattoos. a lot of tatted the way people that, when I you mean, went to Japan? Did you see a lot of people, Japanese people? You don't see them. You don't, you, you just don't see tattoos there. And I think it's, if they're there, they're being politely and respectfully covered when they're there. If, if you are an American and you're covered in tattoos like we were and you're in Tokyo, it's not a problem, right? You can be an American and have tattoos and people aren't freaking out seeing you, but there are some places where you're not supposed to be allowed to go, like the Japanese onsens, they're bathhouses, and or traditionally tattoos are not allowed to be you know, in these places, there's, there might be, um, some public beaches where you're not allowed to show tattoos. And, and so I was never taken to those places. So I never had any experience of being told, no, you're not allowed in here. But I, you know, I have watched YouTube videos about it and, and tried to understand it. Um, you know, it's the, the culture in Japan is so respectful, right? You just feel it when you're there. Um, People, you know, when you're in the, in the subway in Japan, they have these marks on the floor where you're supposed to stand in line and wait until people get off the subway train. And everyone just does it. They all stand in this line, in a neat orderly line, and they wait until everyone that wants to get off the subway train has exited the, the train. And then they get on. That's Japan, right? There, there are bundles of neatly separated trash there's, you know, the cardboard is one place, all the plastic bottles are one place. People are tying them in bundles with neat little knots, like little Christmas presents, and placing them on the street. It's all the way down the street. And we went to an Airbnb, and they had an instruction sheet um, there, you know, in the Airbnb that told us what to do. And, and then I started to notice it everywhere. I was like, oh, my God, they're all, they all just agree, and they do it. And... Uh, that's, it's just such a magical place. And then, you know, you, you, you go there and you, you sort of take that in you see, okay, wow. Like, you know, human, humans can treat each other differently. It's, it's, it's great. And then you come back home and you're like, oh man, it's total chaos. Like you, you get off the airplane and you're, you're going up your first American escalator and, and people aren't neatly dividing uh in, in japan if you would stand on i think you stand on the right so that everyone can walk up the escalator on your left it could be vice versa but you know of course we don't do that we all just stand there and ride the thing but we don't we don't have any consideration for the person that wants to get up there faster so ah, i don't know i hope to get back there i've been trying to get back to japan now since around uh, the beginning of 2020 so we'll see how this is going to go because they're still not allowing tourists back in there yet and you were always thinking other tattoo artists and i remember uh one time you went on the trip and then we met when you came back and we were looking at some of the footage and you were like so full of like energy and like good creative vibes how has it been your experience working with other tattoo artists and being around other artists? Because I, for some reason, I feel that tattoo artists are a bit of lone wolves. They are very, the, most of the ones that I, I know, they're almost introverts and they like to keep to themselves. But you are always around other artists. How has that experience uh, worked out for you? Well, specifically with Japan. So Japan holds this this place, this mythical spot in the minds of tattoo artists, right? We, we want to go there because we believe we're going to be able to connect with some part of tattooing. And this is what I felt. And it's the reality of these trips that we took, A, it was transformative and incredible. And, um, 
I guess I could talk about what, what we hope to get and then what, what I think that we did get. We, what we hoped to do was to just connect, right? Just to, just to get it because we've seen tattoos. We've seen photos of tattoos. We've seen photos of tattoo artists in Japan. And we just want to see those things with our eyes. I think that what I didn't know that I would see and what I didn't know I would get from it was a familiarity with these flowers, right? Like you've seen this, this one kind of chrysanthemum. You, you were told it was a chrysanthemum. And then when you're in the United States, you see something else and they say that's a chrysanthemum too. But when you go to Japan, that same chrysanthemum that you saw in the Japanese tattoos is just there. It, it exists in real life. And it's just a different variation of them, right? But, um, you know, so you, you just, it, it actually seems so much easier to draw Japanese tattoos because everywhere you go, you're surrounded by the imagery that is in them. So this distance that exists between, you know, where we are here in the United States and this imagery makes the imagery harder to understand, right? You can, you can see it only in the tattoos and you can't walk around it and see what it looks like from the other side. And so once you're there, you know, we're all just taking so many pictures everywhere we go. Cherry blossom season. We're like, fuck, look, it's a real cherry blossom. It, it's not like the ones in my neighborhood, but it looks like the ones in the tattoos. And we, I mean, I just remember all of us just geeking out over these cherry blossoms and they're everywhere, you know, and the people in Japan are like, uh, you know, obviously yeah, like, they're used yeah, to it, but you know, we, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's special to them too. So it's, 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 it's a beautiful culture. And for tattoo artists, it's, it's like sort of, it's sort of a Mecca trip, right? Like, and so I think that's why we have so much interest and I still get tattoo artists asking me, Hey, going back to Japan. Can I get in on this next one? And, um, you know, I, I think that there's a way that, you know, the way that I will try to support other tattoo artists who want to go to Japan, if I can't take them there myself, my plan is just to collect all of the resources that I've already been able to collect from the artists that shared Japan with me and told me about the best temples to go to or told me about the best gardens to go to. I've collected all of these resources and, um, you know, we have an online community for tattoo artists. So I think I just had the idea just now that I need to take all these resources over there and start, you know, cause I, I don't know how much longer it will be before Japan will open back up to tourists, but I think it would be really cool to have, you know, a, a, a place for the people who know about Japan or, or any place really like any, any tourist destination that is, is, um, interesting to our community. Like, I think it'd be great to kind of collect all the resources and, and give people a roadmap that's off the beaten path, you know, here's what to do if you are into this type of experience, right? I remember when you were uh, coming back and bringing all that footage, I was like, man, I wish I could go with Russ on one of those trips and like document all of that and, and do like a little, you know, like a 20 minute doc. Well, I wish you could have too, because I was, I, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, um, the second trip to Japan was around the time when I was, I just got my my first Sony camera and I had, you know, I was watching my first videos and I was like, this is going to be my art project. Everyone else is going to go and draw in their sketchbooks at the gardens and the temples. And I'll do that too. But while I'm at it, why don't I just also shoot a travel documentary? That'll be easy enough. And, um, so I took this giant heavy backpack of, of gear you know, I had so much stuff and it was so miserable trying to like, like, you know, keep all my stuff safe. You know, I, I could never leave it anywhere. I had to take it with me. And it was just, like, this backpack is like this thick, you know, it's so heavy. I know, you know, this feeling, you know, you, you felt this pain. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. And, and I came back with like, you know, no story at all. I had so much B-roll. It was just like shaky B-roll. Cause I didn't, I didn't have a gimbal and I didn't know really how to, how to do it. You know, I was just like, Oh, let me do that ninja walk thing. I saw, or let me just like hold the camera and just turn at my hips and I'll, I'll shoot in 120 frames a second and I'll just whip it around really fast and it'll look cool. And I was just like trying to do all this stuff for the first time. And, uh, I don't know, man, I, you saw my edit, like it, 
it was it was okay but the problem was it, it had no there was no story i never remembered to get interviews at the right times and and that was yeah, the it hardest was good part. for a beginner for sure but uh there's a, a few more things that that you needed uh but the story the story side on the documentaries is really hard and i remember when i show you my documentary you had some some notes and some things as if you were giving me feedback uh do you remember with that documentary and maybe with other documentaries about tattooing like what do you think is missing on those documentaries that i can keep in mind because i want to keep making more content about tattoos like it's something that i love and I, i would love to work with you on on something long form i hope we get to do that man because i think that you know these experiences that we both have they might have been just enough to where if we put our heads together and really focus on a project that you know the pieces that you're missing i could fill in and vice versa um and, you know for me i there was there were the technical challenges right like how do the cameras work how does the audio work how do how do i get the best lighting all of these worries and at the same time I no experience in in interviewing people and and digging great moments out of them. And you know, so I've solved a lot of those problems now. I've had these experiences and I think that I'm ready, but what I understand is you know, if if I'm going to be the subject of this documentary, that's that's one role to play. Like I really need to not have to play all of the roles, right? Like it's just too much to try to try to do both um so you know I, i i hope we keep talking about it i hope we figure it out but i think that my perspective at least to answer your question i think that when a tattoo artist is doing when they're really in their zone and they're doing what they do at the best level and then the cameras show up everybody gets thrown off right i remember the first time especially if they don't have experience with it the first time that I had someone point a video camera at me and I'm I'm thankful that my current cameras don't have this but this camera had a little red light on it you know and it, it as soon as I knew they pressed that button and in it was recording like there was no more rust like I left my body you know like I I felt like I was just like sitting up above myself watching myself on a screen at the exact time that I was supposed to be you know being myself and being authentic and you know and then i start sweating i'm like can they see the sweat is it dripping like holy crap like are they going to cut this and <laughs> so it was it was traumatic man and um so i feel like that's that's what your subject is possibly feeling if they're especially if they're um a a a person who's deeply committed to and passionate about their work you know it's just showing up with a camera just can kind of kind of ruin that so how are you going to put their minds at ease about i'm sure you have uh, you know great skills in this matter but some of the things that have that really worked for me as a subject on camera was just to tell me hey you know what like our editors we have three cameras running right now so no matter what you say we're never going to let you look bad We're never going to let you come across as anything but the the best version of you and you're going to love it so if you say something and you don't like the way the words came out of your mouth if you want take a breath and try to just say it again you know start wherever it feels natural and keep rolling and I've learned these skills now and so I'm closer to being able to you know put something on camera that I would be happy with but I just think it that's the challenge, right? You're just you're you're always dealing with a person who's not used to being on camera. And you know, it's like what it, what is your ability to help them, you know, overcome that? For me when be... I was doing uh when I was doing literary ink, what helped is you have to spend time with that person and they have to get to know you as a person rather than just the filmmaker making the the movie. So going going out to lunch, going out for breakfast, going out on a walk, sitting there with no camera talking about the the tattoos that they're doing and being genuinely curious about their art and their stuff, uh talking about music, talking about movies, talking about other things that don't have to do with tattoos and that's when you get to 
be in a groove with them and that works with tattoo artists but it works with everybody you know it's something that i've learned as a filmmaker and making documentaries and it might help also when you guys have a client that comes in and they are about to be tattooed this is a big thing that they're doing so if they're tense you know if they're nervous it, it just helps to talk to people and stories I think something that I've learned as I do the podcast and as I do more documentaries, there is something in your brain connected to your memories and your emotions. The moment I can get you to talk about a memory and you share that memory with me, your emotions toward, towards me will change. It's almost, you know, like when you have a conversation with a stranger and all of a sudden you end up sharing something that happened in your life that is kind of private, that maybe even some of your friends don't even know. And then after you share that story, because they have a piece of your history with them, now you're more open to accept them and all of that. And that's what I would love to bring to a tattoo documentary series. I think I would do 50% the visuals and the artistry of like seeing the needle and seeing the process and seeing the heel tattoos and the other 50%, I just want to go and learn, you know, what makes that person excited and what are some of the struggles that they have been through in their life and how they got to where they are now with all of those ups and downs and, and all of that. And I know. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm interested in. It just go back, goes back to story because I'm a film guy and, and that's what kind of what matters for me. Sure. So hopefully we get to do that. Yeah, I hope we do too. I mean, if, if I were able to just design the ideal version of this for me, I think it would include uh, me getting to travel, right? Like me getting to, uh, and you probably feel the same way. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's this, it's this Russ and Axel, like, traveling the world together with cameras. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's a way that it could really work. Um, it's, it's, of course, there's, there's the tattooing itself, right? There's, there's needles and there's inks and there's the technical part of just how all of that works and, and how this picture gets developed over the course of a few hours or sometimes multiple sessions over years to to a final you know impressive result there's a lot of challenges around capturing that right because it's it just takes too long it's like you know if you were to try to watch the whole thing it's just like watching paint dry it's not that entertaining and and so so that's that's more like a b-roll sequence almost i think in this in this film it's really about the conversations that exist between the artist and the customer and if we are telling the story of a tattoo, then the customer is, you know, a key part of this story, right? And and so if, if you get really lucky, you've got a customer who has a great presence on camera and a great story who is getting a great tattoo from a great expert tattoo artist. And it's in some random city um, that is it, beautiful. It feels like I'm describing this unicorn again that I, you know, that I never found. And, and like, so I... I'm afraid that when I put this much weight on it, that it now becomes impossible. Um, so you'll have to bring me back down to reality because I'm, you know, I tend to think that way, but no, nah, but I think it's out there. Uh, I think it's out yeah, there. Yeah. I, I think it's, it. and it's, it's also the environment of a tattoo studio, right? Because when you really, you know, start to look into the, the nooks and crannies of a, of a, any artist studio, right? When you, when you open up a messy drawer, and you and you look inside, and it's just so interesting. And and I would I I'm just thinking about you doing that at my shop. I'm like, no, you can absolutely not put anything from that drawer in the movie. But it's yeah, I'm I'm sure it's interesting, right? It's just like looking at the tools, looking at the you know all of the different bottles of color and all all of the the different odd pieces that make it all work. It's it's certainly interesting. And for me, the most interesting part has been the design process, right? And, you know, just the, the starting from, you know, an idea that a customer has and the conversation that, that takes place 
that ultimately transforms into something that they end up living with for the rest of their life, right? Like it, when you understand, really think about how amazing it is that tattoos even work, right? We're using needles to put ink into your skin that is all different colors and shades. And it, for the most part, stays where we put it, right? Like just that alone to me is the most amazing, amazing thing. And still after 25 years of being a tattoo artist, I, I still kind of freak out about it when I think about it. You know, I look down at my skin and I'm like, man, it's got hair all over it and I can tell what colors have faded and I'm getting older and maybe it's going to get saggy and there's going to be like weird spots all over it. But you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, if, if you can capture that in that feeling in a video, um, at least that, that's something that, you know, I, I would be interested to watch. Yeah, it is crazy. That's why I was so drawn to it. And especially when you have people that have meanings to their pieces. And I know many people don't have meaning. It's just like a, a aesthetic and they like the design and they just get it and all that. To me, I, I love the meaning behind all of that. And I think tattoo artists are like wizards. They do this magic where they get to put ink under your skin to make a picture that will stay there for a very, very, very long time. That is crazy that that can happen. And that's why I'm so drawn to it. And you know, you reminded me of an, another theme that's really been big for me lately is the, the tension that exists between in our culture. When, you know, you hear me speak about tattooing in this way, there, you know, to anyone who's not very close to tattooing, who might be listening to this, I, I have to imagine that you, th you think, man, this guy's crazy. Like tattoos are for like, um, you know, prisoners on TV shows or like bikers in movies, right? Like, no, you, you don't understand the real culture of tattooing, which is, it's really for everybody. It can be for everybody. There's no, you know, specific group of people from any specific place that tattooing is for. It's, it transcends all of that. And it has for all of history, right? Like there was a, an ice man, Otzi the ice man. They found him in a glacier. Um, you know, finally after centuries or whatever, he was unmelted and they found this body and they, they, he, he still had skin and they, took him back and examined him and he had tattoos and his tattoos were in specific places on his body that corresponded to problems that he had inside of his body that acupuncturists would, would mark and put needles in. Right. And, and this tattoo was so old that it made acupuncture even older than anyone thought it was. And it made tattooing older than anyone thought it was at the same time. So you can look it up. It's Otzi, something like that. O T Z I. Maybe um, you put up a picture of Otzi on the uh, on the podcast later, but you know, so so tattooing is is just a ancient part of of the human experience, and what we have been dealing with in more modern times is a social stigma, right? It's it's about you know as tattooing has become very advanced, and people like me have applied themselves to finding out what the limits of this medium might be, and we're and new technology is coming along that's pushing it further and further and further towards this even more incredible potential future. We still have this stigma. I still cannot open a tattoo studio in the city that I live in right now because there's a politician who doesn't think that it's appropriate for the area. Right. And that's a really real challenge, you know, and, and here I am thinking, you know, I'm as, I'm as skilled at this as anybody is at what they do. Right. Any other profession that you might consider to be professional, doctor, lawyer, dentist, whatever, I'm as good at this, if not better than those people are at what they do but I'm not allowed to be in business. So for me, like there's a story there. And in the way that we tell that story is by going out and, f and finding all the examples of how the stigma isn't, isn't warranted. Right. It's like, 
going out and showing tattooing in a positive light on people that you might not expect would get tattoos. Right. And I think, you know, that really aligns with my personal mission, which is I would like when I when I when I look back on my life on my deathbed, I would like to know that I had an impact in reducing that stigma. Yeah, that would be amazing, man. Well, Russ, hopefully we get to do that. Thank you so much for being on on the show. Always great talking to you, talking ideas, talking about future projects. And uh, hopefully we get to work on that together, man. I really respect you. Thank you so much for your time. And you guys, thank you so much for watching the episode. If you liked it, send it to a friend, share it. Make sure you go and follow Russ, and we'll see you in another episode. Thanks so much, Axel. Oh,